Welcome to Words with Logan and Friends, a podcast where we talk about sports, life, and a variety of topics submitted by you, the listener. My podcast is now available on all streaming services. Hey, everybody. So my goal today is to do a brief synopsis on the long gone summer 30 for 30. And when I say brief, it's going to be brief because literally the whole documentary was just like home run footage. I'm going to talk a little bit about, you know, reviews I've been reading, my initial thoughts on the documentary, and then I'm going to bring in two people, one of which has not seen the documentary and refuses to do so. And then one person that has seen the documentary and enjoyed it. So if you do not know, the Long Gone Summer documentary is about the 1998 home run chase between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. It initially started out with those two players and Ken Griffey Jr., who at the time was with the Seattle Mariners. Mark McGuire at the time was known as purely a home run hitter. It's quite funny because when he was in college, he was going to be a pitcher. And one of his coaches ended up seeing him in the batting cage and was like, you know what, I'm going to put you at first base and we're going to see what happens. He set the single season home run record in 1998 with 70 home runs, which, by the way, was later passed by Barry Bonds, who hit 73. But he was like the guy. And then Sammy Sosa really shot out of nowhere. He was just a young kid enjoying his time in the league. We all know now that there is quite a few issues in the backstory about that that make these seasons quite tainted. ESPN is just coming off of The Last Dance, which I've already talked about in length. It was just an outstanding documentary. I know some people don't like the bouncing around of the timeline. I strongly disagree. I thought it was so good, and I know a lot of people will back that. But this was only one week, and it was a two-hour episode. You know, on initial watch, I thought it was actually pretty entertaining and solid. But once I started reading into it, I'm like, holy shit, this documentary actually sucked. When I turned the documentary off, I'm like, man, that's just, like, cool. It was such a cool race to see all these, like, people just rallying around. This all tracked the race to pass Roger Maris's single-season home run record, which was 60 home runs. Ironically, Roger Maris passed Babe Ruth's record, which was 59. Roger Maris at the time was viewed as the villain of baseball because you know old baseball fans, you know, people that think that adding in universal DH or doing saber metrics and all of these new and upcoming things with baseball, they don't like it because that's not the way baseball was back in the day, whatever. You know, those type of people, they viewed Roger Maris as a villain because, oh, Babe Ruth, he's the face of the franchise and all this stuff. So he was not supported by any means. And he was told, you know, do not pass Babe Ruth's record. And he ends up doing so. (laughs) I thought it was really, really interesting as well. In the 1998 season, the Cubs actually got the wild card. And Sammy Sosa won the MVP that year. But he didn't win the home run race. So really, the Cardinals were that bad that the only thing that really mattered was getting Mark McGuire the single-season home run record. That ultimately stole the spotlight more than the Cubs' success and Sammy Sosa's impact he had on the entire team. 
like I said, my opinion on the documentary definitely changed after my initial watch. Just due to all of these people, and when I say all these people, I haven't read a single article that was positive, stating how many key pieces of information were missed. And it was more so just like a home run highlight reel mixtape. If I wanted to go and watch that, I could just definitely watch the home run derby. Obviously, the big overhanging cloud is the steroids era. If you watch the documentary, you see that literally like eight minutes is spent talking about the cases in court, as well as Mark McGuire admitting that, you know, he did steroids because there was little to no monitoring and regulation going on at the time. So a lot of the information that was was either being left out or was inaccurate which obviously is never good for a documentary. So whoever was the producer or creator on this uh, might have been more of just like a fan than a historian or an actual reporter. One thing that I also wrote down, and I, I don't know if I necessarily support this or if I'm against it. I'm, I'm kind of in the middle at the moment. But Sammy Sosa has not been allowed back into Wrigley since leaving Chicago. Should he be in the Cubs Hall of Fame? Yes. I don't really care you know, what he did as a person. But in terms of the impact that he had on the team, it was obviously a positive one. Think about how many people just like loved him as a person. He was entertaining, not only with the steroids issue, but also, you know, the cork bat and the infamous where he just like walked out of a few games towards the end of his career. Um, so they've definitely had a sour taste in their their mouth about Sammy Sosa. On the other hand, though, Mark McGuire has been welcomed back into the Cardinals stadium and is in their Hall of Fame. I did like seeing that there was some respect shown from both fans. Example, when Mark McGuire would come to Wrigley, you know, they'd give him a standing ovation. When Sammy Sosa would come to Bush, they would give him a standing ovation. So it was just kind of like a cool little respect. But then also, and it's not like I didn't know that the steroids case was a huge thing about this but the fact that they didn't really talk on that is quite concerning for just the documentary's purpose they didn't mention at all anything about sammy sosa's flaws in the league except for showing him in the court not even having him talk about it not even showing you know coverage or having any people stating what was going on in the court case. Also, they only mentioned the corked bats during the credit roll. The documentary is already over. And it's like when you watch a movie and it says, oh, Wendy Peppercorn is now married to Squints and they have three kids, like something like that. You don't see anything about Sammy Sosa and the corked bats until then or about him leaving the games. Really, the entire point of the documentary, it seemed, was to make you like feel good. But the best documentaries are the ones that make you kind of despise someone but also have the underlying themes that go along with the documentary similar to sosa there is no admittance of steroids by any of them until about 10 minutes left kind of building on that feel-good vibe as well of the story 70 percent of the documentary was just footage of home runs and we can just watch that in the home run derby or youtube or google whatever we saw they talked briefly about how there was like a substance that was in mark mcguire's locker in a post-game interview but that's literally the only thing that they talked about outside of showing the court case with like i said 10 minutes left of the show there were very little external interviewees so it was really like mcguire sosa and like 
two or three random colonists or the ones that they bring in, it would be just information that was just regurgitated or not important to the story. It did feel like the Mark McGuire documentary as well, which it was supposed to be about the race between McGuire and Sosa. We can see it through watching that documentary about 80% of the time it's McGuire talking or someone talking about McGuire. I understand it because he has the record, but at the same time, if you're going to show a race which was very competitive and the entire world and baseball world even was tuned into it, you have to show both sides of the story. Very, very briefly did they show the perspective of Chicago as well as Sosa, his followers, and then obviously the columnists that were in Chicago. People that have a viewpoint on baseball, they view uh, that that steroids saved baseball. Now, I don't know if saved is necessarily the best terminology. Of course, they were coming right off of a lockout in 1994, the year in which yours truly was born. And baseball was at an all-time low in terms of following, whether that be just on television, whether that be actual fan attendance. As we see with Mark McGuire, he talks about the only reason he was taking these steroids because he was told they're going to improve his health. I wouldn't say that health supplements or whether that be a cream or a pill that you're taking, regardless of if you know the effects, performance or not, on the game of baseball... I wouldn't say that it necessarily saved baseball. And just some basic statistics about fan attendance that I thought were kind of important. So if we look at baseball right now, and if you view steroids as saving baseball, of course, now in the world of sports, it's so much easier to follow through social media, not necessarily only going to the game. But if we think about fan attendance, so for the past eight years, fan attendance for MLB has dropped. It had a peak of 74 million in the year 2012, and right now we're at about 68 million as of the end of last year. Obviously, we can't really count this year because there's not going to be fans, anyways, but I could see that for sure dying off. Also, if we think about attendance per game, so in the last 20 years, attendance per game capped in the year 2008. Since that point, it has dropped for the last 12 years. So that's not good. It's very slow pace. I know, of course, there are those exciting moments of baseball. Very, very little do you see primetime baseball games in comparison to like primetime football or primetime NBA. If they are in primetime, they're on channels that I would say are less watched. And it's really interesting and weird in that way. Because it's in the summertime and we don't really have any sports outside of basketball. And we know viewership for the NBA is low. (laughs) I think that baseball is a dying sport. And I hate to say that because it's the sport that I've grown up playing the most. Now, this is kind of an extreme case. But in the last couple of months due to COVID-19, we've been seeing a lot of issues in the minor leagues as well. Due to players not being paid, not being treated fairly being basically furloughed by all of these organizations as well just kind of ties into the selfishness of owners you know obviously it's one of the main professional sports leagues here in america and people are going to continue to follow it but in terms of the number of people that are going to follow it i think that's going to continue to dip year in year out i know even me you know i used to watch the brewers all the time and now i just like don't care at all about baseball with 2022 looming i think that could end up 
being the downfall of MLB. And, and it sucks to say that, you know, because I love sports. So I'll be asking both of my guests this exact same question. There are really three occurrences in baseball that are viewed as unacceptable. And they are steroids, betting on baseball, and then this recent scandal with the Astros and the Red Sox. What I'm going to be asking them is to rank them in terms of acceptance. I'm going to go ahead and say what my most acceptable or one that I'm willing to forgive most would be, and that's betting on baseball. In the example of Pete Rose, and he's the only example, the fact that he is being left out of the Baseball Hall of Fame is an absolute embarrassment to the sport and to the legacy that has been left on the game. I don't care what he did in the betting industry, but the fact that he made a bad character decision does not mean that he should not be in baseball's most prime history highlighting the players that shaped their game. Pete Rose being in the Hall of Fame is an absolute must. My number two most acceptable, and I never thought I'd get to this point, is steroids. Of course it's not acceptable. I'm not agreeing with any of these things. I'm trying to rank them in terms of the ramifications that come with it. When we think about the players that took steroids, most of them had already been in the top tier of players. Of course, it's going to give them an asterisk next to their name. It's not like backyard baseball. They're just giving you an aluminum power bat, and it's just an automatic home run. Versus my number one, which is the Houston Astros Boston Red Sox where I literally know what pitch is coming, when it's going to come, at what speed, etc. That is not good for the sport because the beauty behind baseball, especially at the major leagues, expecting a 90-95 mile per hour fastball and you're getting a 75 mile per hour changeup or curveball, a splitter, etc. And you have to be able to adjust. If I know what's coming and on what count based off of my coaches, my scouts, you name it, looking and identifying what is going to be happening next, that is an absolute tarnishment on a sport as well as any accomplishments that follow. The fact that Rob Manfred is going to slap the Astros on the wrist and do absolutely nothing else about it is an absolute pathetic disgrace of leadership in sports. I can confidently say that Rob Manfred is the worst commissioner in sports, and I did not think that Goodell would be passed. And I'm using this example because, yes, okay, fine, you're going to ban X number of coaches and GMs. You're going to ban them from sports? Wow, big deal. But yet you have these baseball players that are literally in on it. Don't give me that shit, Jose Atuve, that you just got a tattoo or your wife doesn't want you to show off your body, that's garbage. He's an embarrassment. Fuck Jose Altuve. Fuck the Astros. Disgusting. The Astros-Red Sox scandal is the worst scandal that has ever come across baseball. Far worse than steroids. Speaking of steroids, I know a lot of my listeners are going to really respect this, but I wanted to make a quick, short comment about Ryan Braun who I have called over the years, Ryan Fraud with the asterisks. Obviously, we have to associate in Ryan Braun with this category of 
individuals that have taken HGH. I hated Ryan Braun for a very long time because I consider myself a Brewers fan. And, of course, he cheated the game. My apology isn't necessarily for not supporting him through steroids. It's more so about hating him because of the fact that he took steroids and he was actually guilty of doing that. So, of course, when we look back at Ryan Braun's career so far, he's been very injury prone. Kind of been worked in and out of that rotation with the Brewers now with a lot of high quality prospects coming up into the system. I think I owe him an apology for being, in a way, ignorant, knowing that steroids did change the game. Now, am I going to give in to the people that say he's innocent? Absolutely not. If you think he's innocent, that's ridiculous. Do I think he should have been stripped of the MVP trophy? I don't. Believe that or not. But you can't go ahead and not tarnish his entire career knowing that he tested positive for a banned substance. Of course, he's been having a very tough sledding over the last couple of years. And I think that a lot of that has to do with the injuries. And I know that the reason that he took this substance was to help him with injury. I don't know if he admitted that or not, but it's all about that durability. Mark McGuire said the exact same thing. Of course, a lot of these people, they take these substances because either their agents or their trainers tell them to take it. And it's kind of a failed system where it's not like they're scientists or they're spending their spare time going out and looking at all of these things that are on it. They're just taking the advice of people that are close to them and people that they actually care about and they think care about them. But of course, it's just a business. And in the end, everybody's just trying to make a quick buck. So I will apologize for that. Do I like Ryan Braun? He's fine. I'll, I'll respect that he was a all-time franchise player for the Brewers in his prime. There's a new face in town. But I think that I just kind of needed to make that public statement. His career will forever be tarnished because of that. And I don't think anybody can argue with that or call him quote-unquote innocent and actually think that that's a logical statement. So hopefully you enjoyed my little segment there on the long gone summer. I'm going to be bringing in my next two guests and we're going to be talking about Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, the Hall of Fame, and then some other miscellaneous topics. All right, so I am joined now by Justin Schultz. He's going to kind of talk about... Not necessarily the documentary, but a few other things. I know he's been reading a really good book about kind of the market of baseball. Is that right? Yeah, like how the union was formed and how free agency started and stuff like that. Yeah. So we're going to get into that. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about just Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. Some of those other big time players that were involved in the ending scandal. And then uh, we're going to have a little debate at the end about a lot of those players that have not yet been ruled Hall of Famers and if they should be in or not. Should be a pretty fun segment here. First of all, happy belated Bobby Vanilla Day. Did you yeah, uh, did you celebrate? National holiday. I mean, I didn't celebrate by getting a million dollars or whatever it is in my bank account <laughs> like he did, but yeah, that's unbelievable. I mean, I've listened to Steve Phillips, the former GM who gave him that money, and at the time, it's, I mean, he knew he wasn't going to be the Mets GM his whole life, 
why not get a player and pay him down the road? Like, yeah. I don't think it was a terrible deal. It's terrible for the Mets right now. But The second thing I wanted to bring up, and I know we're going to do more of a deep dive into St. Peter and how horrible of a person he is, but how fucking pissed off were you when that one night you went over by him and he was giving his preferred order of sport championships? First of all, can you just kind of fill the listeners in on, on his logic? JSP doesn't have much logic when it comes to sports, in my opinion. And I, I forget his exact order, but wasn't it, what was it, Packers first again? His first was the Bucks. His second was the Packers. Okay. And then he had the Brewers, and then he had the Badgers, if I remember correctly. I was pretty pissed off, but not surprised. I mean, he already, he's seen the Packers win a Super Bowl multiple times in his life. He's never seen the Brewers make the World Series once in his life. So I have no idea why he would say that. You can be a bigger Packer fan than a Brewer fan. That's fine. I get it. But you've never seen one championship. You've never seen the city you live in celebrate a championship. Yeah. Yet you want the Packers to win again. That that this is beyond me. <laughs> and I I literally like stormed out of my house when I heard that. Okay, so you didn't see the documentary, but I know that your dad actually saw it and he was telling you a little bit about it. You said also that there was a lot of negative reviews. What have you heard about the documentary? Like I was excited to watch it because I grew up during that time, obviously. But the reason I didn't watch it because I heard on Twitter, my dad and multiple of my friends, they just said that the whole doc was just a home run parade like it was just barrage and barrage of home run highlights they didn't they barely talked or even touched on the steroid issue from what i've heard so i'm just like i don't want to watch just a bunch of home run highlights i can watch that on youtube i want to know like inside stories i want to know interviews and stuff and i heard there wasn't many interviews at all i don't think it was worth two hours of my time mm-hmm. for how bad it was reviewed i want to say that mark mcguire was playing against the marlins and they have that stadium where they like tarped off x number of seats because no fans and that nothing's changed now but basically what happened is i think mcguire was approaching the record and these people when the home run was hit ironically two of the home runs he hit they landed on the tarp in the middle of center field and you'd see like four or five people sprint from the seats and then like the first one one of the dudes he was sprinting to the ball and he like face planted through the tarp it actually put a hole into it (laughs) i'm surprised they let people go in that area my biggest memory of sammy sosa was during the all-star game in milwaukee during the home run derby he actually hit one out of miller park like onto the sidewalk and that just had never been happened before you know did you know anything about this big race before the documentary came out so i remember like watching it live like I was watching Brewer games, and every time Aguirre or Sosa was up, they'd switch it. They'd cut away from the Brewer game to show they're at bat. I don't, rem- I don't remember the exact circumstance, but I remember Maguire picking up Sosa at one point during the race when they were playing each other. I mean, it was a huge thing. Not many people know this, but I used to be a Cubs fan like before I was in the Brewers because I wanted to be different. Producers, can you clip that? <laughs> now I'm a diehard Brewers fan, but when Moises Alou... Uh, Derek Lee, Todd Walker, Corey Patterson. That was a squad. Mark Pryor, Kerry Wood. Like, that was a squad. That was a fun squad. But now I fucking hate all Chicago things. Sosa was so much fun to watch because of his antics. Mm-hmm. And now you'd probably get thrown at. And I'm sure you knew about this beforehand. I found really, really interesting. Now, I didn't know much about the story, to be honest. I just knew that Maguire has the record. 
I did not know that Mark McGuire had as much media attention as he did, and Sammy Sosa had, like, nothing, and they were head-to-head, like, the whole time. Yeah, and that's the weird thing, too, because I think Sammy Sosa was more media-friendly. He had more antics. He had that kissing finger thing. He had to hop, and Mark McGuire didn't seem interesting. So, yeah, I remember that, but I was also surprised at the time. The Oakland A's actually won the World Series. And I never knew that in my lifetime. I mean, it's easy to forget about him, but that was the the Bash Brothers, right? Yes, with Conseco. Conseco. But I'm I'm actually all for steroids. Actually, I don't. <laughs> I'm kind of I'm kind of over it. Like, Literally, give them out <laughs> like they're a vaccine. If you want to do it, do it. But I don't know. I'm kind of indifferent about it. I really want like Barry Bonds to be in the Hall of Fame and that stuff. I know we're gonna talk about it later, but yeah. Ken Griffey Jr. also. A lot of the media were saying, you know, if anybody's going to break Maris's record, it's going to be him just because of the talent that he had. Steroids, HGH would have helped him stay healthy, and that's what ended his career. Yeah. So he could have broke the record if he used steroids, probably, oh, yeah. just for him to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. That's why I think Ryan Braun did it, honestly. He wanted to stay healthy, not to get better. I just think it was have him stay healthy. Yeah. So Ken Griffey, who has the sexiest swing in baseball history, would have broke the record if he would have stayed healthy. All right, so I wanted to get into this book that you're reading. Uh, what is the title of it, and then who wrote it? It's called Lords of the Realm, The Real History of Baseball by John Hyler. He basically breaks down how baseball started and how Marvin Miller created the union for baseball players and how owner how free agency was such a battle, how owners were so against it, owners were so against paying players at a certain point owners had the right to drop down a player's salary by a maximum of $20,000 every year just because they had that in their agreement. And so it's just really interesting. I'm only about 200 pages in, but I just learned about the first free agents, and it's just a fascinating book. I recommend it to anyone who likes baseball. All right, so what has been like the most captivating part of what you've read so far? Honestly, how greedy the owners were. The first free agent was actually Catfish Hunter, and how he became a free agent was he signed a contract with the Oakland athletics. He said $50,000 needs to go to uh, this insurance company. So it gets paid out more and more when I get older. Well, the owner never did that. So Marvin Miller, who just started as the union rep, they sued the athletics and it went through like three different levels of courts and he became a free agent. So he was the first free agent. And what they did was his lawyer set up in this rinky dinky town and all these teams flew in to try to bid for his services. And I think he got like like $1.5 million over like six years. Like that was a lot of money back then. He was the, that was like the first million dollar contract too. And from there, it kind of ballooned into free agency. But the first couple of years of free agency, you would have a draft for free agents. Every team could pick a maximum of two players. And you could pick the same player, like the teams could pick the same player. And then you could sign those players. And it was just so different. And it's just unbelievably fascinating how much it's changed and how much owners wanted to control players' lives. Like, they wanted to have their their players on their team the whole life. It was It's just crazy how different it is now. I'm assuming that markets didn't really play a part of that, right? No, not at the time. But that's why some owners were so against free agents because they thought that, like, New York, who still had a lot of money, would be able to buy all these free agents. That's why at first they limited it to two free agents per offseason. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen a lot with lockouts. How many lockouts has the MLB had now? I know they've had at least two or three, right? Since like 72, there's been seven uh, work stoppages. My God. Yeah. 
The last one was 94. Yeah, 94. That was the big one. Yeah. That was when people were trying, starting to say that baseball's dying. Quick question. Do you think that steroids saved baseball? I don't think saved is the right word. I think it brought in more viewers, more fans maybe. Non-baseball fans, like non-diehard baseball fans, want to see home runs. They want to see scoring. So I think it definitely elevated baseball status. But I don't think saved is the right word. Do you foresee a lockout happening in 2022? I'll be very surprised if a lockout does not happen okay. at this point. How long did it take them just to figure out how to play these 60 games this summer? Yeah. Think about it. Baseball had the opportunity to be the only sport on television. The owners were fighting about 10 games, 15 games. The owners in baseball are different than any other owners. We don't have a salary. Baseball doesn't have a salary cap. They are unbelievably strict about their money, which is weird. How much they fought this summer just shows how much they're going to fight times it by 10 in 2022 before I, there's no way there's not a lockout and this has already hurt baseball but that could cripple baseball i don't know i know a lot of players don't like um the arbitration system but it's going to be a mess and the commissioner of baseball currently hates baseball so that's never a good sign should have been george w bush man speaking of bush i learned this in my book i didn't realize he was a the texas rangers owner before yes, he, he was. ran for president yep. i did not know that yeah, and a lot of people were linking him to be the commissioner. And he actually talked about Sosa and Maguire when he was in his debates, actually. I would just like someone who enjoys baseball and likes baseball. Manfred and Rob Manfred horrible. hates baseball. He literally might be worse than Goodell. I was just talking about this with, with one of my buddies. Hey, at least Goodell probably likes football. He does like M&Ms, too. <laughs> Let's say that they locked out and they didn't even have a season, period how do they even recover? You're going to lose so many like average viewers. You're still going to have those old school, hey, baseball's the old time. I'm going to watch baseball, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, how do you bring people back after a season like that? Well, if there's no season in 2022, you know it's going to happen. They're going to try to start these random leagues like the XFL, AFL, or AAFL, whatever the hell it was called. They're going to like start doing that just to get some practice in and get some money in. And obviously those aren't going to work. After a whole year without baseball, maybe some fans are going to realize, oh, I didn't really miss it. I'm not missing it, so they're not going to come back. That would be catastrophic for any sport, but for baseball, which is a three-hour game, and it's not, oh, I don't agree with this, but people say it's not as exciting as like basketball or football. So it's going to be more catastrophic for baseball if it doesn't play. Korean Baseball League might be the new go-to if that happens. Yeah, go to Korea, go to Japan. Like, players, oh, yeah, absolutely players will do that. And I would love to see, like, Christian Yelich and Mike Trout just bomb these Japanese pitchers. So we're going to start talking about the Hall of Fame. The elephant in the room is always going to be Pete Rose. Honestly, do you think he should be in the Hall of Fame? Well, Pete Rose obviously got kicked out for betting on baseball, but he claimed that he only bet on his team, which either way, I don't care if it's true. He should be in the Hall of Fame. I don't care about betting on the game you're in, especially as a manager. Um, Pete Rose is not a good person. Like, he's a pretty terrible guy if you do some research on him. He's the greatest hitter probably of all time. But he has, he, he doesn't help his cause anymore. Yeah. Like, he, he just keeps digging his grave deeper, so I don't think he'll ever be. Not in his lifetime, for sure. Yeah. But, yeah, I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Okay. Do you? I do actually think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Before I even get into some of these big names that are no longer playing, Ryan Braun. Do you think that he should be a Hall of Famer? No, I, I don't think it's close. I don't, I don't think he will even be considered. Yeah, uh, he shouldn't be. Look, like his career numbers, 
his advanced stats like they're they're not up to par at all his games had, played how about that yeah i know like the last five years he's been 100 games maybe but from 2008 to 2012 before he got suspended he was unbelievable he was on a hall of fame pace and then his steroids thing happened his suspension happened and he just became a different player because he stopped staying healthy and that's why i think that hgh helped him stay healthy i don't think it helped him with his skills i just think it helped him stay healthy and but no there's no way he'll be a Hall of Famer, even without the steroid issue. Yeah. As of now, his stats are just not up to par. Let's get into some of these people. First of all, we got Mark McGuire. Yes, he should be in. Sammy Sosa? Uh, no. Um, I don't. I just, do not either. He wasn't a good. He wasn't good at getting on base. He never really hit for a, a decent average. Even though I don't really care about betting average, but his just stats aren't even comparable to Mark McGuire or any of these other guys. I just can't get past in addition to the steroids, the cork bash. Now that's something I can't get behind. Wait, do you know the story of that though? I don't. Like what he claimed. So he got caught with a cork bat, and he claimed that that was his batting or batting practice bat because he wants to get fans what they want to see and i kind of believe that i mean that's a good excuse i don't know if it's true but it's still a good excuse okay jose canseco uh no nope i don't either i don't barry bonds a hundred percent the best player to ever play this freaking game i don't care if he used steroids you should look at his freaking stats he walked like 20 percent of the time he was the greatest hitter ever and he was so good with the pirates even before he got bigger and it kind of annoys me that these old school old men voters just refuse to let him in okay alex rodriguez no i don't think so i'll say yes i don't know i don't really have a good reason to say no maybe if i looked at his stats closer but it has nothing to do with the steroid issue i don't steroid people should be in just if you want to mark an asterisk or say they were suspected of using steroids then do it in the hall of fame but hall of fame is the history of baseball you can't tell the history of baseball without steroids yeah that's a good point you make what about roger clemens oh yeah 100 percent. agreed I do my own little voting poll. I have like a spreadsheet I put together, and I I voted for him this oh, year. Okay. How about David Ortiz? Reportedly, is that is it true or not? Do we know? Um, I mean, he's never tested positive. There's no proof to it. The and former Timber Rattler. Don't forget that. Yeah. Best DH of I'd, all time, right? Uh, yeah, him or um Edgar Martinez for the Mariners, who okay. just got in finally after like ten years. <laughs> so yeah, I have a hard time doing DHs, but. You you can't say that you can't say DHs shouldn't be in and then pitchers should be in because they don't hit either. Yeah. So yeah, I think Ortiz should be in. Okay, Manny Ramirez. No, I say no. Oh wait, actually, yeah, actually, maybe. I think I did vote for him in my spreadsheet thing. Okay, he's like on my border. Yeah, I mean, he always he got such a high ba- on base percentage. Oh yeah, he was a dick in the outfield and <laughs> didn't really care, but he was such a pure hitter. Manny Ramirez was so fun to watch in the outfield, but. Like, you have to cover your eyes during half of it. <laughs> Rafael Palmero? No, I don't think it's close with him either. I said no. And Giambi. Jason Giambi. N- no. Um, he put- had some great seasons, but not long enough. He didn't have longevity. Mm-hmm. I put him at the end of the list just because I don't think he's, like, the least deserving. And then the last thing I wanted to do here is I have three, quote-unquote, terrible offenses in baseball and then i want you to rank them in terms of you know what you view as being the worst to the most acceptable the three i have here is steroids betting on games and sign stealing i want to hear you know which one do you think is first of all the most acceptable all right well most acceptable in my opinion is betting on your team or a 
whatever, betting on baseball. I think that's most acceptable. Okay. Second's got to be steroids. It's an everyone did it kind of thing. I mean, it helps certain players, but other people did it, and they still suck. So <laughs> I'm just not convinced that. I know it makes you bigger. I don't. And may, maybe it makes your bat swing faster, but I don't know. I'm just not sold that it makes you into this all-star as soon as you hit it. What Mark McGuire said, I had to bring this up. I thought this was hilarious. He was talking about all the effects of steroids. He's like, yeah, my ball shrank, but my dick got bigger. And I'm like, wait, what? That's not what people said about this. No. What? <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. I thought they all shrunk. Not what he said. Your worst is going to be the sign-stealing scandal with the Astros. Why? Stealing signs at second base is... It's kind of normal, and the, even some catchers say, if I'm putting up the same sign, yeah, I deserve to get it stole. But if your team is in the dugout stealing these signs and using video, like, that's just, that's anti what baseball is about, and it's dangerous. Honestly, it's very dangerous for the pitcher. These pitchers are throwing 90, 100 miles an hour, and the ball is coming back even harder. Like, exit velocities are crazy, and if you know what's coming, that can seriously hurt someone. And the whole point of baseball is not knowing what's coming. That's what makes hitters so good. That is cheating more than steroids is to me. After this break, I'm going to bring in Mike Hofflinger, and he's going to talk about Long Gone Summer, which he views as a very good documentary. Okay, so my second guest today is Mike Hofflinger back again to talk about some Long Gone Summer. What were your thoughts on the Long Gone Summer documentary? It was a 30 for 30. What did you like about it? ESPN does a really good job with all those 30 for 30s. You can watch those a bunch of times and you still, and you know, I enjoy them all. So um, I really liked it. Um, it was good replacement, especially with, uh, you know, should have been the middle of baseball season. It gave you something to watch um, in baseball. It was a cool story that, you know, I didn't really know much about because I was a little kid when it was all going on, but you know, not really into it. And uh, it was definitely uh, cool to see the camaraderie amongst two teams that are typically rivals. Fans don't like each other. The players don't really like each other. It was uh, kind of cool to see them sharing the spotlight and, you know, kind of rooting each other on a little bit, but also pushing each other. Do you have a person that you side with between Sosa and McGuire? Mark McGuire was expected to do good things. I know he had battled a lot of injuries, but Sosa was not much of a name at that point and just out of nowhere jumped onto the scene. What did you think about the media coverage on McGuire versus Sosa? It was pretty crazy seeing all that. They kind of got the Michael Jordan treatment, especially as we watched the uh, Last Dance documentary. It had just wrapped up a few weeks ago. Um, Chicago had another star to just follow around like crazy where the media wouldn't let them do anything. Seemed like Sosa embraced it because you know, he's the young guy that didn't know any better, whereas McGuire was the veteran who kind of was sick of it. What did you think about McGuire saying the only reason he was taking steroids is because it was not against the rules at that time? That didn't sit well. I know there wasn't much regulation back then, if any. Um, that's why everybody was doing it. He might not have even needed it. I'm sure he wouldn't have hit that many, but he probably would have still put up numbers even without the steroids. Who do you think is the better player overall? Not home run hitter, players between Sosa and Mark McGuire. I would probably say Sammy Sosa. McGuire had a lot more injuries than Sosa as well, so I would probably say Sosa. Before the documentary, did you even know that the Oakland Athletics won a World Series? I did not know that. <laughs> You'll have to see the World Series trophy when you go out to Oakland at that beautiful stadium. 
<laughs> yeah. How surreal was it that the Cardinals and the Cubs played each other when Mark McGuire broke the record? Yeah, that's pretty uh, crazy, especially with Sosa being able to watch from the outfield and go and congratulate him too as well. And they're just being so accepting of each other. I did think it was actually really interesting when Roger Maris's family was talking about how all like the old school baseball fans were all getting like really, really mad that he was approaching the record. They said like, you better not break this record. This is ridiculous. Stuff like that. Yeah. I think that shows just how old school like baseball is. Whereas like, you know, Babe Ruth's records can't be broken type of thing. And it's kind of like the Manny Machado back then, I guess you would say. Being a Brewer fan, do you like either of these players? Not particularly, no, um, but you got to applaud them for their accomplishments. I don't like either team. <laughs> Probably say I would root for the Cardinals before I would root for the Cubs, but that's me. I think uh, a couple other of our friends are the other way around where they hate the Cardinals more than anything. So, Were you intrigued at all by Ken Griffey Jr.'s role in this? I mean, they were saying that if anybody was going to break that record, it would be Ken Griffey Jr., and I know he was in the race for a little bit, but then obviously he didn't even come close to either of those two. I guess that's uh, the uh, common phrase in baseball. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, you can get off to a hot start, but as the fatigue starts to wear down halfway through, can you keep it up? It is a marathon, not a sprint in baseball, but this year having a 60-game season, it's definitely going to be a sprint. And we're going to see those Miami Marlins get off to a 48-12 and record. Doors open for a lot of teams. A team like the White Sox would be a prime candidate with a lot of talents. Just has to put it together for 60 days. Marlins might be a stretch, but you could probably find some uh, teams out there that can make a run that normally wouldn't uh, in a typical season. I'd also watch the San Diego Padres. Um, they have a pretty good young core players that really just need to put it together for two months. So here's how it's going to work. I'm going to give you 10 players that have an asterisk next to their name and at this current moment probably will not make the Hall of Fame. I'm going to give you the name and I want you to say if you believe they are a Hall of Famer or you believe they are not. You can okay. give rationale for any player you'd like. You do not have to if you do not want to. Okay. First one, it's a standalone player. It's the elephant in the room. Mr. Pete Rose, Cincinnati Reds. Definitely Hall of Famer. You know, you don't hit that get that many hits. And you don't get the Hall of Fame, that's ridiculous. I, I guarantee you, whoever these other nine players you have for me, he's the most deserving of any of those other nine. Number two, Mark McGuire. Mark McGuire, I would say yes. I know you can't define a career by just one season, but that was such a spectacular season. And he's put a, he's had other good years as well. I would say yes. Hopefully he uh, makes it. I know he's probably got a couple more years of voting left. Sammy Sosa. I'd say yes as well. Put up pretty much same numbers. And like I said, I thought Sammy Sosa was a better player all around than McGuire anyways. So I would put Sosa in there as also. Jose Canseco. I'm going to say no with him. Just his numbers aren't quite what the other players had. 462 home runs. Obviously, you know, probably same amount of steroid use as the others. Barry Bonds. Absolutely, yes. Probably the most unbeatable record um, of any of these guys right now is career home runs record. And they say that 
guys like Alex Rodriguez and Prince Fielder maybe even could challenge it and Princeton you know, Princeton even scratch the surface of getting that far. I'll tell you, I was a huge Barry Bonds fan. You know, I was devastated when it came out. He was positive for steroids because <laughs> I held that grudge for quite some time. If you throw Barry Bonds a high fastball, the amount of power that he had when turning on that, I don't care about the steroids, just like his swing. The moment that he hit that ball, he just like stand there and just watch it. And how many balls did he hit? into the bay you know i like the little pose at the end you know with the shoulder kind of leaning in a little bit it was a, it was a pretty cool pose even and you knew he had it you know they call it the bonds treatment where you walk him he walked on like 20 percent of his plate appearances career record for most walks he walked 2558 times 688 of those were intentional okay so our next one is going to be alex rodriguez i'm going to say no on him all these other guys had already been caught and scrutinized for it and A-Rod still did it. You know, he's in that second wave of players doing steroids when he got caught with, you know, the time Ryan Braun got caught as well. That's like not learning your lessons. So I'm going to say no. What about Roger Clemens? Yeah, I'm going to say yes on Roger Clemens. Now, this one's tough because he's a pitcher, whereas all the other ones so far have been hitters. It's a little harder to judge their stats. Winning 354 games, it's so tough to be a 300-win pitcher especially in this day and age where guys only pitch like four innings and can't even qualify for a win i'm gonna say yes to him just because he's got such a great record what about manny ramirez i'm gonna go yes you when you hear steroid use like you know steroid users too you got your obvious ones of canseco bond sosa mcguire nobody really mentions manny ramirez on there it's got better numbers than canseco but this is probably I would think the bare minimum that you could do to get into the Hall of Fame. What about Rafael Palmeiro? He's got similar stats to Ramirez, pretty much the same amount of time played. The Orioles need some more guys in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> We're going to go and a lot of time with the Rangers too. So I'll say yes, but again, he's like Ramirez. And then finally, Jason Giambi. I'm going to say no. A lot of injuries. Only 440 home runs. I, you know, if I, I said Manny Ramirez in the 555 and Palmero was in the 500s, Giambi didn't even crack. He didn't even come close to 500. Our final segment here, I'm going to give you the three what are called worst offenses in baseball. And I'm going to have you rank them in terms of most forgivable all the way down to the worst of the offenses. So here are your three offenses, steroids, betting on baseball, and sign stealing, a.k.a. the Astros slash Red Sox. I want you to start from which one you're like most okay with or most forgiving of, all the way down to what you view as the worst. The one I'm most forgiving on for me is probably the sign stealing. If it's that easy to pick up, now I'm not, I'm by no means saying what the Astros or the Red Sox did is okay. You know, if you can steal your signs that easily, you probably need to get some better signs, you know, make it a little more difficult to decipher, especially because you know it's part of the game. Next, I'm going to put the betting. And the only reason I'm putting the betting in the middle is because my initial response was the worst is the steroids. Like, it's been noted for years now how it's disgraced. It's not acceptable in the league. It's regulated steroids are going to be my least forgiving so that's going to put 
by process of elimination, the betting in the middle. And I know back then in the Pete Rose days, they didn't make as much as they do now, but I'm going to just put it in that order. So that's what I got for you on this episode of Words with Logan and Friends. Michael, thank you for joining me once again. For having me. <laughs> Listeners, we'll see you next time. Please.